And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat Podcast. My name is Joe Piscalia. Thanks for hanging out with me on our weekly live room episode of the show. It is... A uh, an interesting time, no doubt, for Bills fans because it's that weird little middle ground between the Bills looking like they're a really good contending team and not quite being in the uh, in the playoff picture just yet. They still have some work to do and they need maybe one or two things to go in their favor along the way if they went out. But uh, we will. Uh, get into all of your playoff questions and roster questions and everything along those lines as we uh, get ready for the Bills to take on the Chargers this weekend in Los Angeles. It's a Saturday night game, a lot of eyes on the game, and one that I'm sure many are expecting the Bills to pull off a victory. So if you have any questions at all, uh, just go ahead and leave them in the, in the, uh, in the athletic app. Just type them away. And we'll get to as many questions as we can uh, for the for the show today and going through and figuring out what to expect of this Bills team. But uh, I do want to say thank you to all the listeners out there just because, you know, you may have noticed there was not a postgame episode. I have been battling some sort of cold slash illness for the last few weeks. And my voice has been kind of in and out. Uh, my voice, as you can hear, is a lot better right now. Um, but it was unable to get through an entire episode, the previous one. And I wanted to make sure to give it the time because a lot of times with those things, you know, if you try to force it with your voice, it's just going to make it worse and worse. So I appreciate you all for your patience and your understanding and those who reached out uh, in the interim about uh, about where the episode was. I appreciate you listening. So so thank you very much for that. But Without further ado, let's uh, let's get to questions here because that's that's the real reason for uh, uh, for what we're doing here. All right, w Murphy writes in: What aspect of the Bills game do they need to get right in order to make a run in the playoffs? They have done quite a lot of that already, Murphy. I think going through and seeing what they were weakest at they have shown some growth in those areas. And two distinct ones that I had was um, in their ability to defend the run, which I think became a very big question once Daquan Jones went down and they didn't really have a, an answer at that one technique defensive tackle position. And also, you, you saw without Matt Milano, maybe some growing pains with with it being Terrell Bernard and Tyrell Dodson, sometimes Jordan Poyer coming down into the box uh, when they when they go into their dime look. 
Like these are the things that um, that I ha- had questions about with this defense specifically, and I think they have started to answer those a bit more. We have seen the uh, we have seen Linval Joseph get more involved, and he hasn't been perfect, but it's been better to have a bigger body in on some rotational snaps than what they were dealing with with guys like Tim Settle and Puna Ford who just weren't really up to it from a run defending aspect from that one technique position. So that has been good. Uh, And they also have had Ed Oliver kind of bail them out a lot with that first team unit. And uh, they have used Jordan Phillips in the starting lineup. He's not much of a one technique defensive tackle. Of course, he's hurt now, but that uh, that was a bit of an issue. But Oliver was able to help kind of shore that up for them uh, on the uh, starting unit anyway. So that was one of the questions I had that they're beginning to answer. And certainly if they get Daquan Jones back here, uh, that would that would be a big thing for um, for them. And as I'm speaking right now, the Bills have just placed Jordan Phillips on injured reserve. It's something that Sean McDermott announced earlier today when he met with the media. But uh, but that's for them. That that was a move that was expected, and now we'll see if Daquan Jones can get back. On the offensive side of the ball, I think just honing in on their best playmakers was one of the biggest things for me. I, I think early in the season when you saw some limited production from Dalton Kincaid, I thought that was a bit of an issue just because it felt like he was one of their five best skill players that should be on the field more often than not. and. He went after Dawson Knox's injury. He went on to show that he was he was up for the task. This past week was not his best game by any means, but I think he was dealing with a bit of a thumb injury and a shoulder injury. Kind of battled his way through that game. His snap count was a bit lower than it was the previous game. So I'm interested how he responds this week. Now with being able to rest up a little bit longer or a little bit more with it. And, uh, and, you know, being further out from those specific injuries happening. And then James Cook is another one where they kind of got away from it and they went into Latavius Murray mode, which was very confusing to me. And I mean, Latavius Murray is fine, but to use him, the amount that they were using him at times this season was just very confusing, especially because James Cook, you could tell had just this overwhelming skill set and, even if he makes a mistake here or there, he is one of their five best at minimum, if not one of their three best skill players that they have on the roster uh, that could surround Josh Allen with talent. So they've rectified both of those things. And I think that's those are the get right components. Um, do want to see them be able to disperse the ball a bit more to someone other than Stefan Diggs. You know, Shakir has kind of taken a step back the last couple of weeks. Same thing with Gabe Davis. So we will see uh, if they can get that going a bit more uh, against the Chargers and then against the Patriots the next week. All right. Next question comes from Grant J, who writes, how worried are you about this week being a trap game with the interim coach boost, rest difference, et cetera? I think it's a consideration, Grant, and I do want to give just the the overall uh respect to how teams respond to uh, their head coach getting fired or someone prominent on the coaching staff getting fired. 
a lot of times you see a big response. And you saw it from the Bills after they moved on from Ken Dorsey, came in with with uh, Joe Brady, and they have been really doing well since that point. Saw it with the Raiders once they fired uh, Josh McDaniels and, you know, Antonio Pierce becomes their interim. Uh, they played with their hair on fire the, the following game. So there is that consideration. But I, there is one thing that's kind of holding me back from thinking that it's going to keep the Bills away from ultimately taking the game. And that's uh, that's because, for one, the Bills are already playing like a bit of a desperate team, and they know that they have a very small room for error, if any room for error. And I think that will keep them sharp away from the normal trappings of a trap game. And secondly, I just don't see enough talent from a Chargers offensive perspective to be able to go toe-to-toe with the Bills' offense and the things I think they can do in, in this coming game. The Chargers have had a tough time stopping people all year, and it's kind of been their thing. And on top of that, now without Justin Herbert, looks like they're not going to be without they're not going to have Keenan Allen as he hasn't practiced yet this week. They're already without Mike Williams. Their running game has not been the same. Austin Eckler has not been the same this year. They've been trying to find any sort of identity. Uh, their first round pick, Quentin Johnson, has not done well enough to warrant heavy consideration from the Bills. I think even, even though I'm somewhat expecting like an early boost in this game, I just think the Bills are just too talented a team. They're playing too well and they their specific mentality right now. Uh, it essentially being if they lose th- that might sink their very playoff chances i would expect them to respond pretty well to a game like this they they usually do not uh get caught in those trap games especially late in the year but you know you always have to be cognizant of it so i i i am not as concerned about them falling victim to it uh, this week than maybe I would be in previous weeks this season. So, uh, but I, I do expect somewhat of a, a mini boost early on from the chargers in that game. Uh, Murphy writes in again, will Daquan Jones make it back for the Miami game? I think if I had to guess, that's the one that they're looking at as to trying to get him back in full by that point. I would not be surprised if they activate him for next week's game against the Patriots, get him in there just as a rotational player, just to kind of get his feet wet and and going from there and, and seeing how he responds. And if he responds well enough, that would, that could give them the, I guess the evidence that they want to see that they can give him a full, um, a full workload in a, such an important game or what could be such an important game if things are trending the way that they are looking right now. Because, you know, I think a lot of you already know the terms, but if you don't, the Bills at eight and six can, in fact, catch the Dolphins if the Dolphins were to lose one of their next two games. And their next two games are at home against Dallas and on the road against Baltimore. Two 
two very good teams, two already double-digit win teams. The Ravens will be playing for home field. The Cowboys playing for their respect after the Bills just trounced them this past weekend. So that, those are going to be two tough outs for the Dolphins. And as long as the Bills handle their business this week against the Chargers and then the next week against the Patriots, like Dolphins lose one of those two games, then Week 18 is an AFC East championship game. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So that's that's all, uh, that that's part of why I think that Week 18 game is the one they've that they've had in their mind with, with Daquan Jones. Whether or not he'll be able to make it, I think a lot will depend on this upcoming week of practice. He's already been ruled out for the Chargers. If he shows well enough, let's say on Wednesday and Thursday of this coming week of practice, because those are going to be the the bigger practice days that they have, Thursday will definitely be a padded day. Wednesday might be. And he shows that the pack the pectoral injury and the strength it takes to play down in the trenches. If he shows that well enough, then I think they would feel okay with making him active for this game. And it's, they've already got an an open roster spot because like I uh, pointed out in the previous answer, Jordan Phillips was just placed on IR. So it's there. I don't know that they will necessarily make anyone or activate anyone from injured reserve. They could choose Jones. They could use Kair Elam. But I don't know that they necessarily want to get there. I think they want to survey their options if I had to guess. So very possible that they head into this game with only 52 on their active roster and only four healthy scratches. Okay, next up comes from... 
Carmen, who writes, is there any good explanation for Dodson's PFF grade now that he's played 400 plus snaps? I don't know Dodson's PFF grade off off the cuff. I know how I grade him. And since they have kind of narrowed down his role, I have liked what I have seen more than I did when he was on the field for obvious passing downs because that's where he really struggles. And he's still, for me, one of the um, the bottom tier starters on the roster. But he's kind of steadied it a little bit. And they are allowing him, because of the role they have put him in, to succeed in those areas. Because he's always run, stop the run first, stop the run second. And if he gets caught play action, then it might not be pretty. He He's also sniffed out a screen a couple of times, which I thought was impressive. Um, and definitely an improvement from what he had done earlier in the year. But that said... He is still a replacement level starter in in my view, and one that uh, I think they can improve upon, but they just don't necessarily have anyone that they're willing to trust in that role because Dorian Williams, although he's got a lot of raw talent, I think they value the steadiness of Dodson knowing where he needs to be and knowing the playbook as well as he does. And being able to respond well to checks at the line and everything along those lines. I think that really holds value within the Bills organization, at least for this season. With Terrell Bernard being a young first-year starting middle linebacker right next to them, right next to him. I just think having that much inexperience between Williams and Bernard might just be a little bit too much for Sean McDermott and company. So um, like I said, I don't know the PFF grade, but uh, I think he has done a nice enough job, still probably average to below average in in my view from what I've seen on film, but uh, done much better since I'll say like week seven or week eight when they started to really boil down his role. Okay, next up... Uh, the question comes from Justin, who writes, what do you think the corresponding move on the roster will be with Jordan Phillips to IR? Will it be Daquan activated, uh, Kair Elam activated, Justin Houston? I don't think it will be Justin Houston, if I had to guess. Because they have precious few roster spots here. And at least one player that they would like to bring up from injured reserve, that being Daquan Jones. So I would think that that's probably the move for Jordan Phillips. You know, there is some thought to Kair Elam just because you would think he's a bit more ready, but here's the way I look at it. And I wrote about this uh, over at The Athletic that this will be dropping sometime either today, tonight, or tomorrow morning. Uh, It's in my game preview. Effectively, by activating Kair Elam for this uh, Jordan Phillips vacated roster spot, you would basically be doing it for someone that you'd be making a weekly healthy scratch. And then to get Daquan Jones on the roster, you'd have to cut one of, you know, maybe a a reserve offensive lineman in, in Jermaine Effetti or 
a reserve defensive lineman like Kingsley Jonathan, who has some special teams value, or Puna Ford at defensive tackle. But I just don't know that that's necessarily the route that they want to go down with any of those guys. I think they they like where their roster is at outside of, you know, trying to figure out a way to get these guys up. The one player that they were most apt to remove from their 53-man roster, they already did that. That was A.J. Klein. So that's kind of the spot that they're in. You know, maybe they... There might be a possibility of Micah Hyde still going on injured reserve, but they didn't do it last week. So that's a somewhat solid sign that they're content with Hyde practicing and trying to get better that way. So I think the move is Daquan Jones, and then it's a secondary conversation as to how you get Kyir Elam on the roster, if you get Kyir Elam on the roster. They have until December 27th, and it may all depend on if there is an injury of any kind in this upcoming game. All right, next question comes from... Excuse me for a second. <coughs> uh, is there any reason to believe that this Bill's defensive success is sustainable beyond 2023? A little concerned that the older age of the more key pieces might stagnate or limit the ceiling for the group. I think you are onto something there, Tyler, because a lot of the uh, successes that they've had have depended on on those types of guys. But I do think we've seen like kind of a fallback of success, specifically from the safety position, that I think it can improve next year based on perhaps a new starter or two. So that's an area. Um, the defensive end production, I think, could take kind of a, a nosedive next year. Greg Rousseau will be back. But that's basically the only guarantee. I mean, Von Miller, he's signed and owed a lot of money. But the production hasn't been there this year. And you can work yourself into a spot where maybe you think they could utilize a post-June 1st um, roster designation to, to cut him and still save some cap space next year. AJ Epinesa is a free agent. So there's a Shaq Lawson is a free agent. So there's a lot of things that is kind of up in the air here. Um, and that is the one spot that I would look to more than anything. Same thing with defensive tackle. A lot of those guys are free agents. Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, Puna Ford, all of these guys are due to be free agents. So you could definitely see another one of those years where they kind of, <coughs> excuse me again, re-sculpt the uh, entire defensive line and try and figure it out from there. So um, that that is my biggest concern heading in. I think cornerback, they're going to be okay. Rasul Douglas and Christian Benford seem like they're right on. Uh, right on pace to be their starters again next year. Taron Johnson, I would think that they're going to look to extend him before too long. Uh, Trell Bernard, they'll want to see another year with him starting. Matt Milano conceivably will be back for 2024. So a lot of things looking good, but the defensive line is probably my my biggest concern for them moving forward past 2023. Michael writes, if one were to worry about the Chargers in any way, 
what would it be that worries you? I've been thinking a lot about this week, this week, Michael, and to me, it would probably be uh, just them isolating and keeping it simple with utilizing Austin Eckler. He's really the only piece on offense that they should be legitimately concerned about him kind of taking over a game here. It has not been the best year for Eckler. But, and his efficiency has gone down, but he is still a good pass-catching option. He can be a, a the best friend to a struggling quarterback, and you know the Chargers have one of those in Easton Stick who will be making start number two of his career. I could definitely see an interim coach coming in and going, all right, let's keep it simple. Austin Eckler is the best guy that that we've got here. Let's put the ball in his hands and and uh, hope for some success. So limiting Austin Eckler to me is is probably the one um, on offense for the for, from them being on offense. And then on defense, it's just containing Khalil Mack. And they did a nice job on Micah Parsons because basically they ran the ball the whole game. Parsons also got through and nearly got a sack a couple of times against the Bills even on those limited opportunities, but the Bills did do a nice enough job on him to make sure he wasn't an impact player. And that's what they're going to have to do with Khalil Mack. You know, the Chargers don't have Joey Bosa. Um, So that's something working against them. And that's more attention that they could be paying towards Khalil Mack. And then on the offensive side, I've already mentioned that they don't have Justin Herbert. They don't have Mike Williams. They don't have Keenan Allen. Uh, uh, more than likely, they don't have Keenan Allen. So a lot of things are working in the Bills' favor from from that perspective. But if you can limit those two guys, I think it's makes it a much more smooth sailing toward a victory here um, on Saturday night. Let's see. Grant writes, hey, Joe, how much of a difference do you think Having Quentin Morris and Reggie Gilliam more involved in the offense has helped contribute to a more balanced offensive approach. I think it's helped in maybe keeping the defense a little bit off balance because the way that Joe Brady called the game this past one, you know, there was, he dipped his toes in basically every personnel there was 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 13 personnel, 21 personnel. Uh, even at times 31 personnel, um, when, when they threw on a, a sixth offensive lineman, 22 personnel, sometimes they, uh, they really varied it up. And even though they were running a lot of the same principles throughout all of it, I think what we saw last week though, might've been a perfect storm. And I wrote about this, uh, for my all 22 that posted yesterday, uh, of the bills Cowboys game. It was impressive what Joe Brady called up and and how he kind of mixed things up and just for different looks. But somewhat confusingly, the Cowboys didn't really adjust. They didn't really respond. And to the point that they they stayed in a three safety look basically the entire game, even though the Bills were just crushing them on a ground on the ground down in and down out they just didn't change out of that defensive shape and the bills took advantage of it 
they uh, I believe the Cowboys only had their top two linebackers, this being Damone Clark and Rashad Evans, on two snaps against the Bills. The rest of it was three safety look. So I was a little confused by that because you think they would want a little bit of a bigger player, especially getting beat up on the ground as much as they did. But uh, I think that helped. Those personnel packages helped. Quentin Morris, solid blocker. Reggie Gilliam, solid blocker. And it definitely uh, assists when Dalton Kincaid isn't as good of a blocker and is also a little bit banged up from the two injuries that I talked about earlier in the episode. Is it something that is sticky and will continue. I think Brady will still vary things up, but every opponent is going to be a little bit different. And I don't think every opponent uh, they're going to see from this point forward is going to be going with a three safety look against them, especially after they just ran all day and all night against the Cowboys uh, last week. So, um, so yeah, a little bit of a continuation keeps the uh, opponent off balance, but wouldn't expect it to be in a grandiose way, the norm moving forward. Okay. Joshua writes, this is a long one, so I apologize. Pass D, check. Run D, check. Run offense, check. Pass offense, yikes. Just every level of trouble. Drops, receivers not getting open, receivers running the same routes. Josh missing reads. Josh not pulling the trigger when someone is open. I get the fear of interceptions, but can you sort out for us what they can do to improve what has previously been a strength and get back to a confident, assertive pass game? I do think it was relatively assertive against the Chiefs and in the Eagles game before that one. Um, I think they sensed an opportunity against the Cowboys because of the things that I just laid out. The fact that the the Cowboys were just not pivoting out of their original defensive shape. And also, the thing I forgot to mention, they were without their uh, their top not- nose tackle, Jonathan Hankins. It forced a rookie, Mozzie Smith, into the lineup. Didn't really have a great game in that one. The Bills kind of did what they wanted to do. And that, on top of James Cook running the way that he was and making people miss and making the offensive line look a lot better than they should have on some plays, I think it all kind of added to it. But... I do get what you're saying by this this slight disjointedness from the the passing game in the last couple of games. I think they just need they need more from players not named Diggs and that's been a common critique but especially now because they have drifted into this more, maybe more balanced approach. And they're not as apt to throw the ball around 70, 75% of the snaps. They still could based on opponent, but that is something that, that needs to change a bit here. And, you know, the Gabe Davis is certainly having his fair share of trouble. I think that's a piece of this. He doesn't separate all that well. You watch it on film. He's not uncovering all that greatly. There's been some, some, uh, some times where him and Allen are on a different wavelength entirely, and on those option routes that they that they like to run. Shakir has kind of drifted back in the last couple of games because 
they have been running more 12 personnel. Um, this past game, they utilized 13 personnel, 22 personnel, all these things that I talked about. And so we've seen Shakir's role kind of drop down a little bit. We also saw this past week, Trent Sherfield eat into Shakir's uh, snaps or eat into snaps in general. He, he had one of his highest snap count games in recent memory. So that adds to it. I think they're trying to find something to work here. And I would not be surprised if they make a concerted effort to get digs going in different ways this coming game, because it is an opponent that I think they can take advantage of. And one that if digs gets going early on, that that's, that could be a way to boost what, uh, what Gabe Davis and, and the rest of them can do. Um, but to put my finger on it, they've done a nice job on digs on late downs, but the drops are a concern from digs and from everybody. Kincaid had a couple of drops, but I think that might've been a bit involved with his injury. If I had to guess, I mean, a thumb injury when you're trying to catch a football from Josh Allen doesn't seem like the most conducive situation. If we're being honest, um, it's just, I'm sure they're, they're hard at work to figure out exactly how to get this thing going, but I think it would have been a bit more fruitful had they needed to depend on it more against Dallas. They just, it's just was one of those games they didn't have to. And so I, I'm not completely concerned about the passing game because I just saw what I saw in Philadelphia just a few weeks ago. So they're capable of it. And Allen certainly made some nice plays against Kansas City too. So it's not as though it was the Philly game and then it's just been nothing ever since. I just think they're trying to find their way a little bit with Joe Brady as as the offensive coordinator to make that dynamic passing attack uh, the norm from Philadelphia, that is. So it's uh, I'm sure... He's got ideas and he showed a lot of different creative ideas from from this past game. And I wouldn't uh, I don't have any doubts that he'll try to do it again against the Chargers. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, Timothy writes in, what do you think Von Miller's future with the team is criminal pending stuff aside? Do you think he can be a real difference maker on this run? That's an excellent question, Timothy, because the answer legitimately is, I don't know to both to cut Von Miller would be a uh, quite a move by them because he is owed so much against the cap in 2024. I, I mentioned it earlier, they could do a post-June 1st designation on the release and get a little bit of kickback on that, push it down the road to 2025. But that would be, uh, their whole plan 
when they signed him is that it was effectively going to be a three-year deal and then years four through six, we'll see because they'll be able to get out of it pretty easily. But his performance this year has not dictated someone that needs to be around in 2024. And you do want to give grace to the fact that he is coming from back from a long-term injury and that's a piece of this. But at the same time, he has been back since week five now. It's what? Week 16? He has had game after game after game. AJ Epinesa did not play this past week. The brace for Von Miller is now off. That was supposed to be a big thing for him. With Epinesa not in the game, not playing in the game because of an injury, and then Von Miller uh, having that brace off, you would kind of expect an uptick on snaps, but that wasn't the case. He stuck right around that 20 to 25 range. He got 24 against the Cowboys and was not an effective player. There was one snap where the Bills sent an additional rusher On Von Miller's side, the right tackle for the Cowboys, Terrence Steele, picks up the blitzer because he's on an inside angle. And uh, the the emphasis at that point for a blocker is to take the most direct line to the quarterback. So he let Von Miller go. It was a free release. Von Miller didn't even get chipped on the play. He had a free shot at Dak Prescott and whiffed. And I think that kind of encapsulates what Von Miller's year has kind of been here. He's just not an effective rusher. I don't know if if it can come back. I think the Bills are hoping to see signs of it. And they have told us that he's getting closer. He's getting closer. But not to the degree that maybe they would have wanted by this point in the year. So I don't know what the future of Von Miller is in Buffalo. It would cost a lot to move on. And they might just keep him to have something next to Greg Rousseau, especially if Leonard Floyd gets paid in a big way in the offseason, like I think he's going to. And A.J. Epinesa might not be back. Who knows if they can get someone in the draft. There's just a lot of question marks at defensive end. So I think for that reason, I probably think if, you know, the the criminal pending things go in his favor. If that all happens, then I could see him being back next year, but I think it could be a different story if uh, that the very serious uh, allegations that got him arrested could make it a different story this offseason. So on field, It's close, but probably he'll be back. But, you know, there you cannot discount what happened down in Dallas during the during the bye week. That's for sure. Okay, have time for one more uh, before we get to the prediction portion. Randy writes, how long do you think Mitch Morse will continue playing? And is Ryan Bates still the heir apparent? I don't. I am guessing that Mitch Morris will give it another go next year if the Bills don't win 
the Super Bowl is coming or in this upcoming postseason. If they do win, I think legit chance he retires just because he's getting up there in age. He is signed for next season, so that's something working in the Bills' favor. I do not view Ryan Bates as the heir apparent to the center job still. He is signed to uh, for another two seasons, but they moved him out of the starting lineup this past year, and they actively look to replace him in both free agency and the draft. So I don't know that they necessarily see him as someone that they can depend on to be an every week starter for them moving forward. I think he could honestly be a fallback option above all else uh, if Mitch Morse does, in fact, retire. And then maybe they draft a center in the first one to three rounds in the next couple of years here and and eventually pass that uh, starting job off to that player. but. That, that would be my guess. Morse plays again in 2024, you know, unless they win the Super Bowl, then I think anything is up and anything is uh, up for grabs. And then they draft someone either in 2024 or in 2025, and then that person competes with Ryan Bates to uh, be be the starting center at the beginning of the year and eventually paves the way for the, the draft pick to be the starting center moving forward because they believe heavily in that position. They have doled out big contracts to that position since they have been in town, that being Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. Uh, I don't think that they want to skimp on that position moving forward by any stretch of the imagination. All right, let's uh, get to the prediction portion of the program, the Shaq Lawson meditation prediction hour. The Bills, of course, are favorites in this game. I'm going through and getting the line. It was a couple of touchdowns last I checked. This and now it is down to a 12-point spread. Uh, the total on the game is 44. So I am going to take the Bills to win this game. I'm taking the Bills to cover the 12-point spread, and I'm taking the over on the game because I think the Bills can put up a hefty amount of points on this Chargers team, especially on a fast track in perfect weather conditions. Um, they are not going to have to worry about the elements whatsoever. I think they're going to want to get their passing game right a little bit. And even though the Chargers might have a little bit of a boost early on, and you know, I think there's a chance where maybe a quarter to a quarter and a half into the game, you know, it might be feel a little bit more uncomfortable than Bills fans would want. But at the end of the day, I think the lack of Firepower from a Chargers offensive perspective is going to prevent them from really challenging the Bills. And I think it could lead to some mistakes on offense, um, some some turnovers from, from Easton Stick throwing picks. We have to remember that Sean McDermott and his defenses have done very well against players that have not started a ton of games at quarterback. And Easton Stick certainly falls into uh, that category. So I like the Bills to win big here. I think the score I picked uh, has them winning by more than two touchdowns. I think I think it was by 18 points if I if I remember correctly. But so yeah, I'll take the Bills to win, the Bills to cover, and I will take the over on the 44 point spread. All right, that's going to do it for me. Um, and for those that that uh, listen to us regularly, uh, I will. I actually have a flight the night of the. 
Chargers game so I could get home for Christmas, in this case, Christmas Eve. Uh, so I will not be recording a podcast because I will be in the air and uh, and certainly trying to make it home at, at a manageable hour for the holidays. Um, so I will be recording the post-game episode probably sometime on Tuesday, the 26th. So I wish you all a wonderful, wonderful holiday with, with you and your loved ones. Thank you, as always, for listening to, to this show uh, and, and certainly uh, in what is shaping up to be a pretty fun year uh, from a Bills perspective to see if they could actually pull this thing off. And if they get in the postseason, you never know what's going to happen because this is a team that's looking like one of the best in the NFL right now and, and certainly one that not a lot of teams in that AFC, like the top tier, th- those being the Ravens, the Dolphins, and, and what have you. Jaguars, the Chiefs, probably don't want to see in that first round of playoffs. So we will see how it all kind of shakes out. So my name is Joe Pascalia. Thanks everyone for listening to this live room episode of the Buffalo Beat. And we will catch you after the game and after the holiday. So enjoy it, everyone. And we will talk to you soon. See you then.